Welcome, everyone, to Fickner's Watch for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. I am very excited to be here. I am Brandon T. McClure, with you, your only consistent co-host on this show. With me this this for this journey, this trek, as it were, is my good friend Travis Alexander. Yeah, I'm on this trek through the stars. And joining us for the first time on Fickner's Watch, I believe, is Xander Hake. Yep. I do believe uh, it is my first time. I'm sure there's several alternate versions of myself out there that have. Uh, oh, that's right. You did. You did Loki with yeah. us. That's right. Yeah, you did Loki I did with one, us. I did one episode, episode three of Loki with you guys, um, as a uh, happenstance of me being available. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had this whole. We had this whole bit. Uh, to catch Travis up and the and yeah. the listeners up, we had this whole bit where because we, we used to do Fickner's Watch very insular in the Fickner podcast before I started to go outside the podcast to find people to rope in to do Star Trek with me. Um, and we used to, we did this uh, Loki series. We did Loki, and Ben couldn't make it one day, and so Xander was available and he was just hanging out already. And so we had this whole bit that Xander was actually Ben's variant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. It works so well. I forgot you were there. <laughs> um, all right. We are here. We are here to talk about season four of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, we could, unfortunately, I was not able to do season three uh, because of a personal happenstance. But we are back for season four, and I'm very excited to be here. We're talking about season four, episode one, Tuvix, directed by Derry J. Kelly and Jason Zurich written by Mike McMahon, the creator of the series. And I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee, directed by Megan Lloyd, with, uh, written by Aaron uh, Burdett. Um, so I want to start real quickly with just your guys's kind of, you're going into season four, this is season four of Lower Decks. Uh, how, are, how are you guys feeling? Because you, we've, not talk, you've, we've not talked together about Lower Decks. So I want to quickly get kind of a, how are we feeling going to season four? Uh, I'll start. With, I'll start with Travis. Um, I'm feeling very moopsy. Oh, uh, oh no! <laughs> no, I, I, I. So I do really enjoy this show. Um, it is, it is really refreshing to have such a different style of show uh, in the Star Trek universe, but yet still feels Star Trekky enough that you can, you know it fits within the universe. Um, and, and yeah, I really, I really enjoy the show. I, the first season I wasn't super thrilled with uh, Mariner's character, but one of the things I have really enjoyed over the, over the course of the three previous seasons is seeing her character growth, seeing um, Boimler's character growth, seeing all of them grow and not be these like static you know, cartoon characters that that aren't changing with the times. And and so going into season four, I was really looking forward to seeing what happens with with Mariner and with Boimler and and how their characters are going to continue to grow and how she, how she specifically was going to deal with the what happened in, at the end of season three. Um, so, yeah, I was I was really looking forward to it. Xander. Um, 
yeah, it really seems like season four is going to be the season of change. Yeah. Um, as far as change within within the characters, change within kind of like the way the the show has been operating. Um, which unfortunately makes me want to talk a lot more about episode two, which leads much more <laughs> into this than episode one does. Um, yeah. But as far as uh, like general thoughts on the series, series is great. Um, uh, an absolute uh, love letter to all things Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, which in some way has made it the trekkiest show <laughs> that there is uh, currently. Um, yeah, the the episode was was great. I'm I'm super excited to see like the whole cast back. I'm excited to kind of like delve back into it. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like general general like you know first impressions plus like catch up of of previous impressions. So when you so when you talk about this is like this makes you want to talk about episode two because this is the season of change like, that we saw in the trailer for the season that promotions are coming. Um, which is crazy because, you know, Harry didn't get a promotion. Um, So let's talk about Tuvix. Let's talk about episode one, Tuvix, because I think I'm with you guys and wanting more more to talk about episode two. Uh, So we'll probably spend, we'll spend some time on Tuvix, but I think, I think we won't spend a lot of time on it because Tuvix is a great episode, but it is mostly a reference heavy episode with very little, Mm -hmm. To do as far as like character development goes. Now, Boimler is a, a big character in this episode because he was told that he is probably going to get a promotion by the day's end, um, and how that how that kind of has affected him. But for the most part, it's kind of going through Voyager's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. And um, this episode, and, and I think episode one's each season. Uh, um, they they always have to establish the status quo or reestablish the status quo and and that's what this episode did it just it just reintroduced all the characters that you know and love uh kind of made you feel like yeah you're coming back home you're coming back to a familiar place before you move forward into all of the changes and stuff that's going to happen through the season so yeah it was nice to find not just a familiar place with the cerritos but also a familiar place with the voyager and having that being our starting grounding point as launching into the new season yeah xander can i can i say that this one episode of lower decks has made me more like happy and excited to see Voyager than I think all of Prodigy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that, uh, yeah. As someone who is a diehard Voyager defender and fan, I I love this. I love that it, it was a love letter to Voyager because, you know, I, I you, you know, online, you don't always see a lot of love for Voyager. You see more love for Deep Space Nine. And, and to be fair, Deep Space Nine was a better quality show. But I do enjoy Voyager so much. And so getting those nice little references to all of the all of the fun moments and everything was just it was great. Yeah, I really appreciate this show on multiple levels and a lot of it has to do with the fact that like look i watched voyager voyager's a good show i'll defend voyager to the, my dying breath because i love captain janeway most more than anything i think voyager has a lot of character issues but janeway is a i think is a really good captain um 
but the way they incorporate the macro virus, the cheese, the the slugs that mm. Paris and Janeway turn into, but yeah. like the robotic slugs. Yeah. Um, they fuck. they they do it without acknowledging it. It's like we're not yeah. going to acknowledge it. It's just a background kind of gag, but it's there so that you know if you know, you know. And then Michael Sullivan shows up as a hologram program. Mm. Um I, the clown, like there yeah. it's so the clown. Oh the clown. <laughs> who who Mariner even mentions wasn't actually a holodeck program, so what's he doing here? Right. Uh, and so like it, it's such an interesting episode that just throws out just one after the other, just Voyager reference mm-hmm. at the Voyager reference. But, and comically, too, because, like, this show is the comedy of errors. And so, like, the the way the macro virus has Harry Kim's, like, musical instrument stuck inside of it and then goes inside of a Borg alcove. Oops, a Borg nanite just happened to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it becomes yeah. a Borg macro macrovirus. Yeah, like it's 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 such a it's such a weird episode because of that. Yeah, I think I think it just it plays so much into just how wild Voyager got. Yes, yes, and how like most people just don't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it uh. <sighs> I need to, like reorganize my thoughts real quick because like there's so many references in this episode. There's a one lot of, of the references. things. One of the things that I really enjoy about this show is not just the like the, yeah we get the the gags the sight gags we get the actual references we get all of that stuff. One of the things that I always enjoy about this show in and they've been doing it since the first season is every time they reference one of the other Star Trek shows they will put the musical cues in there. Yes. And you'll get the musical cues for Deep Space Nine, for oh, TNG, yeah. for all of that. And, and and even when you had the crossover with uh with um uh Strange New Worlds, you know, they the way that they incorporated, like they blended the the two themes together was a lot of fun. So I, I love how they play with the musical cues. So it's it was really great to hear the Voyager intro music again after all these years. Voyager is not my favorite Star Trek series. I'm not saying it's my least favorite either. I'm just saying it's just, you know, it's not really my yeah. favorite. But it has probably one of, if not my favorite, theme song to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when they like, you know, the lights come on, you know, the music, the Jerry Goldsmith theme starts playing, I'm like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really like tugged at my heartstrings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, you know, that actually, uh, Travis brings up a, an, an interesting point here. Um, what are your guys's thoughts comparatively with this episode versus the Deep Space Nine episode? Oh yeah, right. Because last season we had we went to Deep Space Nine, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. have basically we have basically two episodes that are just homages to both these different series. And like, the more I think about it, because this thought had to cross my mind while watching the episode. The more I think about it, they they play pretty equally as far as like what they're referencing and like how they, they kind of go about it. Yeah. The one thing I, I say, and, and this might just be a, a matter of this episode being a first episode of the season, whereas the deep space nine one was later in, in its season that the deep space nine one kind of was more integrated into the character arcs. Um, so, you know, you get uh, Tenny's um, Tindy's 
um, kind of, you know, a little bit more about her backstory as an Orion, her feelings of, you know, being an Orion and not wanting to play into the stereotypes and stuff like that. Um, so you get some of those character moments in there more than you do in in this one, which, you know, like I said, you know, my opening thoughts, this is kind of just the launching pad. It's kind of just to make you feel at home so that moving forward, we get into more of the actual character development. Hmm. Yeah, I think I kind of feel the same way. I think what helps the D Space Nine episode a lot for me is that Quark and um, uh, uh, Major Kira were there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like they were, they were actually in the episode, and it was the voice by Nana Visitor and Armin Shimmerman. And so, like that, that's that really helps that episode for me. And Morn is still is still there, even though he doesn't speak. But like, so like that's that kind of thing, like helps that for me whereas this is basically just like this is what what's what basically is happening is, is so we saw in starship card that voyager is a museum piece and uh travis uh, uh xander's light has decided to he doesn't like lighting anymore um yeah um <laughs> you keep you keep going i'll be i'll be around i'm still listening okay um yeah. and so one of the so what this was basically like this was Voyager is now a museum piece. It's going to a museum. Mm -hmm. It's going to be um, uh, before it goes into orbit. It's going to be at um, uh, it's going to be on Earth, and it and so it's basically just the characters interacting with various pieces of Voyager's lore. Whereas mm -hmm. D Space Nine was like they are interacting with D Space Nine as if it is a physical place that they have visited, and not like just a just a, a reference heavy mission um right so i think that's why the d space nine one works i mean they're they're, they're doing different things right so i, I think right. they're both good episodes i just think the ds9 episode was probably a bit better handled with how it was incorporated into the show yeah yeah i think like i like i was saying i think it's better integrated into it now i know like i said i think that you know it, there could be a number of reasons why that is and but i think that it being further along in the season is kind of adds to that because, you know, you can integrate it more into the what's happening within the show. Whereas in your first episode, you can't really do that as much. But um, I do, I do think this is a better tribute to Voyager than we got in Picard. Oh yeah, that could be. Because um, I mean, all we all we really got in Picard was there's Voyager seven of nine says I was on that ship, and then they played the little music, and then that was it. <laughs> yeah, but that's a really beautiful moment. It is a beautiful moment. It is a beautiful moment. But I, I actually really like this of diving into like the actual history of Voyager and like like Xander said, how bonkers Voyager actually got. <laughs> they even reference that in the episode, right? Like you know, shit got weird. Yeah, 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 it did. Yeah. Talking yeah, things talking like that, little things like that. That and uh, oh, Janeway didn't mess around. It's like yeah. you know, those little nods to the fan base. I like too. Uh, talking about how um, Janeway does not mess around. Um, so like transporter fusions. So we, mm. so we were. I was, about, I was literally about to say we've been talking a lot about how great these Voyager references are. We haven't talked about the fact that. They they really bring back this idea of Tuvix, which has been a yeah. long running uh, uh, debate on online about whether or not Jane was right. I believe she was. Um, I believe she one hundred percent was in, in murdering that man. Um, and she, um, and she, and 
and, and so, but in order to do that, they make more Tuvixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellipse uh, is being the first one. I do appreciate that each time it's a different voice actor, like mm-hmm. like it was in the original episode, a different mm-hmm. actor played uh, Tuvix than than both of them. Um, and but this person, Ellipse, who now knows that. Uh, he he is most likely going to be murdered in the same way that Tuvix was. Um, decides I'm going to make an army of Tuvixes, and yeah. I'm only bringing this up because before we get into this discussion, I just want to bring up whale. What is it? Uh, whale uh, whale whalens. Yeah, whale whale or swale or swale whale or swale oh, whalens. Yeah, yeah swale whalens. That's it. Steve Stevens and the and Matt the whale. Yeah, <laughs> not my best word. <laughs> very funny very funny so great so great i love it i love oh. that i love that uh the they when you get the doctor uh and and um phillips uh combined and it's just like immediately they just go madly insane and and want to take over everything <laughs> it's like yeah no that makes sense <laughs> I, I also like when Shax goes so how much do you remember and you just see like the light of god like shines in this man's eyes like oh <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. oh man <laughs> yeah i think what's, yeah. i think what's so interesting like the 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 the, the show takes it takes a the show Lower Decks is not going to ever be confused for a deeply philosophical Star Trek theories. No. Um, and so their their workaround for it is to be like, yeah, Janeway murdered two Vix. They don't take a stance on whether or not that was right or not. That's just what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, two Vix was a person. He was murdered. And then he was like, he begged her to live. Which um, mm-hmm. <laughs> is when we yeah. get the line where, where Captain Janeway didn't mess around. Right. Um, I do appreciate that like there's there is Tendi and Talin trying to kind of kind of find a way like it, do we want to address this in any sort of meaningful philosophical way um mm-hmm. and even Shax has a moment where like do you think Dr. Ta'ana will be okay because he does like her um mm-hmm. they have a long running relationship as established yeah. before so we are we are kind of knocking at the door of this really interesting philosophical debate but what I think is so smart about it is that in true Lower Decks fashion, it's not, they're not trivializing it. They are, they are making fun of it in a way that it is deeply ridiculous in the way that, that Voyager is just how, how that kind of show. Um, and their workaround isn't, isn't insensitive. It's like, well, the way we fix this philosophical debate, the way that we, we purge all, all of our, deeply comedic characters from murder is by making it a giant blob. That's not sentient anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, 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 it's perfect absurdist comedy in the sense that it doesn't, it doesn't make fun of the people who enjoy the things that it's making fun of. It's just yes. pointing out the absurdity of the situation. It's laughing which, with rather than at. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really enjoy that because it's like, yeah, no, and I've always been like that with my with anything that I'm a fan of because I'm I'm a big fan. If anybody doesn't know me, uh, I'm a big fan of giant monster you know, movies and and uh, media. And yeah, you can. I, I'm a firm believer of you can point out the absurdity of some of your favorite things and still enjoy it. 
and and that's what's happening here and it's like you know and i love that that the the vulcan science officer is like so you don't have a problem with this anymore and it's like yeah well now it's a big blob of unsent you know non-sentient blob so not as not as bothered by this <laughs> it's so unsettling too when we first yeah. see that giant blob in the in the in the uh brig <clears throat> i mm -hmm. I really just, I do want to mention real quickly before we move too much off of this is um, mm -hmm. one of the good things about the show being animated is that you can recreate these sets um, in a way that's very that unrestricted to budget. Um, right. Because I, I think you run into that with like, you run into that with even Star Trek Stranger Worlds and Star Trek Picard, which have much larger uh, budgets than previous shows did. But Star Trek Stranger Worlds especially, I was saying in, this, in the past um if anybody if anybody saw some of the early Fickner's watches, um, I was saying that they need a new quarter set because they mm. keep using the same quarter set for everything, and it's starting to become mm. disastrously noticeable. Um, mm. And so, so like I keep trying to be like, you know, you need to build that next set, but because budget, they can't. And so, when you go to a ship that is as recognizable as Voyager, you want to see the mess hall. You want to see the seller cartography you want to see all these things and because it's animated you can just make it in the computer and i'm not trivializing mm -hmm. with, the, with the work that went into it but it is a lot easier without the budget constraint which is nice right. that we get this reference in an animated feature yeah there's a there's a podcast that i think uh brandon uh you and i both listen to i don't know if xander listens to but the weekly planet mm -hmm. um and and on there one of the hosts talks about how because they were talking about how saw like the new saw movie is going back to the original saw movie and and so they're having to recreate that room that one room that the original saw movie mostly the bathroom. took place in yeah that one bathroom mm -hmm. and how much money they're having to spend to recreate it down to the very last detail whereas at the time that they made the movie the original movie it was just they just used whatever they had and it's like, yeah, that's what they do when they when they have to recreate a set that's as iconic or is as well known. They have to spend even more time, even more money recreating that than what they right. did originally building it. <laughs> Look what Picard so, did with the Enterprise D, right? Yeah. How much yeah. money went into recreating the Enterprise D in Star Trek Picard as as uh, uh, iconic as that ship is? Mm -hmm. to, like it was made with like two bucks and a piece of tape and they're in the 80s right. and here it's like billions of dollars went into like most of the budget went into recreating the everything with the slanted mm -hmm. wood and everything like all the shit that was done by accident had to be recreated particular with all this particulars um but it, when it's animated a lot easier to yeah just, a lot easier and, and you it. can take shortcuts you know because yeah. in animation there you're allowed certain shortcuts because you know the the viewer will fill in a lot of gaps and stuff so i like that they can they can do that yeah, yeah totally agree with you brandon um there's one sad thing about going back to voyager uh Majel barrett is not the voice of the computer mm. that is a bummer unfortunately yeah. she has passed away and is incapable right. of recording new lines yeah. but it is a bummer yeah right yeah um it's nice yeah. to see oh, it's um, nice to see go ahead xander sorry <laughs> no um uh i just remember when we were talking about um big uh blob tuvix 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really, really just like a monstrosity. The more you think about it, you're just it's like, the you worst. It too hard. Just yeah. So, um, I I have to say I'm so so happy that like, um, Tendi and Talin are like still doing things together in this season, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that it wasn't something that like they set up season three and now she's just in the background and sometimes you see them together it's like oh mm-hmm. cool this is this is a mainstay now she's yeah. just here mm-hmm. um, which is which is great she's such a such a fun addition to the cast i agree um, I, it, one of the things that i think is really interesting about star trek lower decks is that they're not afraid to actually move the show forward mm-hmm. this was a this was something like even like star trek shows all television shows like very rarely push their characters forward in any meaningful way, mm-hmm. especially if you're episodic, you always had to start at one because like, what, what if this is someone's first episode? It was always right. the idea of like, if this mm-hmm. is your first episode, you go in, but lower decks is interesting in the case that like, you know, we even see it at the end of this episode with the promotions. Like I didn't think the promotions were going to happen. I thought there was going to be something like, well, next time maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Talin being a new ad- addition, like if you, if, if you watch the show starting here, then you would think that Talyn is a mainstay of the cast. She's been, just right. been there forever. Um, and then the promotions now, they're no longer Lower Decks. And even they try to justify the name of the show in the episode, right. but they're not Lower Decks anymore. Like they, right. they are lieutenant, they're lieutenants now. They're the, yeah. Well, you're grade. They're the Lower Decks of the, the yeah. You know, command. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was super, super fun to kind of see all that. I, the show has set me up, and I think it's it set its itself up expectation wise. Um, that Boimler never gets a win; <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, so to see him get a win this episode, and like get promoted, which he's always wanted, yeah, and like yeah. really start seeing like all these seasons, all these adventures, his like actual character growth be recognized um Mm -hmm. was great i was i was really enjoying the series but i had like this like little creeping sense of dread slowly growing in the back of my mind going like oh no oh is he just like oh better luck next time oh we need Mm -hmm. the permission to somebody else and and it just like oh man i really hope he gets the win because this show keeps making me want him to win and it keeps taking that away from me and even yeah. he's like self-sabotaging himself in this episode, uh-huh. right? Like he's oh, just yeah. like, I don't know if I even want this promotion because he was promoted at one point when he was transferred to the Titan um, right, yeah. at the end of season one. So like it's happened to him before and he was, and like we'll see, we'll see this in the next episode also, but like there's like this serious concern from each of them that like if we get promoted, our friendship, was, are we mm-hmm. only friends because we're all lower deckers? Or are we actually friends at this point where it doesn't matter what our rank is? Um, right. And you see, like, Boimler struggling with that with his relationship with Mariner. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, it took us months to repair our relationship. And even Mariner's just like, I'm a different person than I was then. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I'm like i not going to let that happen. I want you to have this. This is something you deserve. And Boimler's, and so Boimler has to deal with the fact, like, okay, well, if I deserve it, then I need to, I need to do something. And even right. even say like ransom is just like oh boy like get us out of here. He's like sorry, I need an engineer. <laughs> He's just mm-hmm. sitting down Rutherford and just leaving yeah. the other two. Yeah. 
No, it's um, uh yeah, and everything everything you guys are saying about Boimler, I, I'm also see I, I I think as much as I love Boimler and, and he is the heart and soul of the the show, I am so invested in Mariner at this yeah. point because I was so scared that they were she was going to be that character that just never learned never learned her lesson, never grew, never changed, you know, because they kept, they did that a few times, like where every time she would, she would move forward a little bit, they would kind of bring her back. She would do something and bring her back. And, and especially in the next episode uh, that we're going to talk about, you finally get a resolution to that where it's like, no, she's doing it to herself. And that's a part of her character growth is realizing that she's been sabotaging herself and that she's mm-hmm. just every time she gets to grow a little bit, she wants to kind of regress. And yeah. so <clears throat> I, I am very happy to see that, you know, and like you said, especially episodic shows, but cartoons, you know, animated shows, especially are really bad about always resetting to the status quo, never changing from the status quo. Um, and so having this show actually move forward like you guys are talking about, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. There is, there is something like there, which, which really is kind of like the Mariner promise (laughs) that like the start of the show has you be like, Hey, here's Mariner. She's a badass. She could be probably the best like officer that has been in Star Trek in like the last decade. And just like, doesn't really care to you know mm-hmm. follow the rules or like be part of the system um but there's like greatness there she just decides not to achieve yeah and seeing that growth and seeing kind of like that come through and be like oh that's right she's supposed to be like the potent- potentially one of like the best like star trek officers uh has been has been great to kind of see her come into that that was like the reveal in season one, right? That like this mm-hmm. this like laid back character is also has been promoted many times because she's probably one of the best Starfleet officers that Starfleet's ever had. She just doesn't she just doesn't care to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we move into the, the next episode then? Oh well, I was I was going to say uh, just real quick that Mariner's character um, it is everything that you that you would want from. What's and I, I'm bad with names. I'm sorry with names with characters. But the the character that returned in Picard season three that was the the that left and went to with the Maquis. Roe, yeah, yeah, Ensign Roe. It's everything that you wanted from Ensign Roe that we never got. We were kind of cheated out of it because the show ended and we never, yeah, we didn't see that that growth from when she left Starfleet to coming back to Starfleet to becoming, you know, the character that we saw in Picard season three. It's like, you're mm-hmm. kind of getting that with, with, um, with Mariner. Cause I, I, the, the two mm-hmm. occupy that same space in, in my brain. Uh, so I think that's why I kind of gravitate towards uh, Mariner. Cause I really like the character row too. And so the two kind of are very similar in my own mind for different reasons. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think you're, I think you're actually dead on with that, with that comparison. But yeah, um, now we can move on. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out. <laughs> that's good. All right, so let's move on to episode two. I have no bones yet; I must flee. Um, Loopsie. What a, what a great um, episode title. Loopsie. What a great episode title. I real quickly, <laughs> I love, I love because you because you brought up Moopsie. I I love that the the, the they were like guys. Voyager. We're bringing back Voyager. Everyone loves Voyager. Voyager's here. 
and Moopsy has dominated the discussion. Uh-huh. Yep. It yep. is the only thing anybody talks about at this point. The, Nobody the, cares about Voyager. Everybody's talking about Moopsy. At the point of this recording, the third episode has aired, and people are not talking about it. They're just talking about how adorable that Moopsy was. And like, in fairness, it's really damn cute. It is. I love it. Um, I don't know I love what the, it is about the way adorable it moves. murder things. Yeah, the yeah. way it just kind of waddles around. Because, like, there's there's this weird, it's this weird thing in, like, character design where, like, the trope is cute character is actually, like, the deadly monster. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, is a fun trope. It has been done a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, like, it surprised me how well it just like translated into this episode. Yeah. And like this... how, how people are like, oh yeah, this is great. And I'm like, we've had this before, but like, this is really good. Yeah. This is the most Monty Python and the Holy Grail style yeah, episode. Yeah. I was just like, that's no ordinary rabbit. Just, just look at the bones. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, there. What behind the rabbit? Oh, um, no, he did the rabbit. <laughs> I, I, so before we get too much into the moopsy, so basically the plot, the, the setup of this episode is that Mariner has overheard uh, Shax and Ransom during their yoga, um, which incredible, by the way, just like a, yeah. a, a, a brilliant, talk, a brilliant callback. We talk about how like there's just these moments where they don't draw any attention to it, but it is an absolute if you know, you know, like we the mentioned that they're the wearing one. the outfits. They're just like, like no one talks. About, nobody <laughs> points it out in the show. Nobody makes any references. They don't say anything. It's just there. And if you know, you know. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But but Mariner over here is ransom. Oh, she's not going to be my problem anymore because Mariner in the last episode was not happy with the fact that she got promoted, um, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. She's like, I don't deserve this promotion. I don't want this promotion. I just want to be an ensign for the rest of my life. I'm good. Um, and ransom and ransom we'll find out later actually believes in Mariner, which is nice. Um, and, and, and so, so she's going to go on a mission with Mr. Redshirt yeah. who doesn't actually die, which is interesting. Um, yeah. they, and they totally uh, set that up just on purpose. I was one. I thought that dude was dead. The moment <laughs> they I saw really, Ensign Gary. Yeah. <laughs> they phoned that in so hard just to, just to be able to play with our expectations. <laughs> um, and then, and Rutherford, who didn't get a promotion, mm-hmm. is thinking, this will be easy. I'll just get a promotion real quick, and then we'll all be Lieutenant Junior Grades. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Mariner's plotline, to Travis's point from, from the discussion from the, previously, um, is I was really worried that we were retreading some ground here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, we've we've grown. This character's grown. I'm not sure. It's I'm not sure if this is the right direction to take this character at this point. You know, but the way they do this of her, the way that this is like the final nail on her self sabotage mm-hmm. uh, nature, right? This is this mm-hmm. is how she's like she is. She's pushing Ransom to give her a demotion, and that's what Ransom knows is happening because he's realized this is her pattern. That you you want you want to prove yourself right so badly that you you will self sabotage and I'm not going to let you do that because I believe in you and I think you can be a great officer. Um, and I thought I thought was like, oh shit! 
I I didn't know like we're doing that now. This is this mm-hmm. is great. Like we're again letting characters grow in a way that is unexpected in a way that is that isn't reverting back to one anymore. We are we are really pushing Mariner in a way that hell by the end of the show she can make captain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not which is not a direction that I thought could happen. Mm-hmm. Right. At the, the, it's so great as well to see their relationship transform mm-hmm. into this really more, you know, like, you know, uh, officer cadet kind of like, you know, I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to lift you up kind of, you know, um, uh, what's the word when you have like mentorship, not like an apprentice, mentorship. There we go. Uh, mm-hmm. Like really kind of like take this like pseudo mentor role. Cause I don't think he's like, like a true mentor, but like, it's, it's, it's the relationship is there um, mm-hmm. from yeah. them. Like, from him hitting on her all through season one. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, from him, the shift from him being antagonistic to now being, you know, more of a, of a a positive influence in Mm -hmm. Mariner's life, I think is really interesting. It was a, it was a step I didn't think they were going to take. I I was, I was hoping that Mariner would grow. I did not know that they were going to use ransom in that way to do that. And, and I think it's really great for both characters as thematically to have them both kind of take that path and take that, that journey. Yeah. And I think the way that Ransom interacts with Mariner and, you know, it's like, yeah, it shows some of his character growth, but I think it really reflects more on Mariner and how now Ransom sees her in a different light mm-hmm. and sees her as like actually wanting to try and can actually be a good officer. Cause he didn't really believe in her a lot. He's like, she's an issue. She's a problem. She's here for nepotism. Mm-hmm. And like it, it, it speaks. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, just, living, I'm just living with this now. Um, uh, I'll just be terrifying for the rest of the episode. Um, it speaks to to Ransom, sure, but again, it's so much more into Mariner. Just to be like, hey, I'm changing everyone else's perception of me. Um, yeah. You're, and, and you're right, you're I, right, because uh, real quickly, you're, you're right, because Mariner, even the last season, keeps getting blamed for things that aren't her fault. Mm-hmm. Because you know, then the last season with the uh, with the documentarian who was like mm-hmm. who wanted to make a hit piece on Captain Freeman, like and mm-hmm. that and like so and 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 because that that came out, like everyone was like, oh, Mariner, Mariner really betrayed Captain Freeman, and 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 so she got shunted off to Starbase eighty, and she, and and she was like, no, I didn't. I was and like it was real. She's the only person who said anything nice about the captain about the ship, mm-hmm. um, and and so like. So she has this idea in her mind that even if she applies herself, even if she does try to be a better officer, no one will ever believe her because what is, what is ransom immediately blames her for letting the moopsie out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just kind of like, well, if well, what's the point, why would I try if ever, if nobody believes in me anyway, and yeah. ransom has to go like, no, I do believe in you. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you with this. Um, yeah. And, then and that the was a really he- eye-opening moment for her. Yeah, and yeah. the reason that he even blames her is because she's been actively acting. Yes, right. Yeah, she. Yeah, the way and she's been acting. And she even said, he even said, he even like, he, he's he's got this moment where he's like, 
I know you did this, but like, it's not going to change my opinion of you. I know why mm-hmm. you're doing this. So like, even he blamed her for letting the moopsie out. It wasn't, he, he knew that he, that she did it because of the self-sabotaging nature, which he was no longer going to abide by. So even if she did let the moopsie out, it wasn't going to affect his opinion of her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if I, if I can, if I can shift very, very quickly, um, not maybe completely off of this, but I think it helps maybe like frame some of the discussion in the episode is that the first in the first like three minutes of the episode when they're all leaving their their like bunks oh, it's so sad the, the staying on that like how they stay on that shot and you just get this moment of like the four empty bunks mm-hmm. and just the set and nobody walking around and then the slow fade out yeah i mean like we're talking about growth this season it's like the show very like it if you didn't get it then you're not gonna get it anywhere else mm-hmm. with the show really saying hey we're moving on things yeah. things are happening this is no longer like the the lounge area you're gonna meet everybody together at I kind of felt emotional, like, like really, like there was a really emotional moment because like the lights turn off slowly. And then we, we like linger on that for a minute and then we like fade out. I'm like, I mean, this is a comedy, right? This is supposed to be comedy. I'm supposed to be laughing right now. (laughs) It's a a classic like Star Trek move to like when there's a big moment where there's a big transition of like emotions or like space, you stay on the set. You're not going to see again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. because the cause, well normally it's because they're they're breaking the set down. Um, yeah. But like yeah. when we when when they leave the Enterprise D at the end of Generations, like we do linger on it after they beam out, and and because like this is it, this is the last time you're going to see the set. We're because we're building another set. Um, and and here it's kind of like kind of filling that same role, even though it's animation, and we're mm-hmm. we're like lingering, like hey, you're not going to see these bunks again. We're moving on. Yeah. Take a minute. You're going to need it. Yeah. Um, but I love that immediately—not uh, immediately, but but by the end of this episode, uh, Boimler and all of them—they—they they do feel like they've found a new home in their you know in their new bunks and everything. Speaking of tra- of, of of Xander saying Boimler, uh, not never never getting a win. That yeah. poor kid. Oh my god! <laughs> that's his own <laughs> fault. No, because no, like that's, that's fair. It is his own fault. Like any, like even me, I'm like there has to be a way to turn down the the like like we have blinds in the in yeah. our like, yes. time. Why can't you just put something like that up? My whole thing, the first room he goes into. I mean, first of all, I'm laughing because I hadn't thought about rooms being right next to that giant glowing uh-huh. section. Yeah, um, but it's like, dude. Even if you were to like put down like like blast shields, mm-hmm. and it was like completely dark in there, that's still workable. Yeah, and, and but but it's so funny because he finds the Medusan glasses, which are which which help you see right. the Medusans, <laughs> and and just as he does it, they upgrade the Bussard collectors by point six percent, by point zero six percent, makes it brighter. He just ah! 
Um, yeah. It's so Sorry. good. But you know what it is? It's because we're from the 21st century where living, you know, and having a decent place to live is not a, a automatic thing mm. <laughs> like it might be in the 24th century. And so we're like, no, we can make this work where it's like, no, in the 24th century, it's like, no, I can we can we deserve better because we're in the future. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's just it's just so and then the she he that i but, but real quickly i really like shack shack's helping him move and calling him baby bear the yeah. um and, but like again this again this is kind of like stretching the the like the logic of star trek because like i don't think you should be able to hear what's happening in the holodeck in the next right? room no. but but it is very funny and very boimler's luck yeah a, a wonderful comedic purpose i love the way that like lower decks takes just random like moments and stuff and and we'll just like stretch the rules a bit and like play for it for a comedic uh-huh. effect and they're mm-hmm. like we're lower decks no one's gonna say oh i guess in star trek universe lore you can hear outside of the uh those rooms now Right. And I guess that's just uh, that's that's the reality of all Star Trek. That's like no, it's a cartoon, it's a joke, and they can mm-hmm. get away with that, which makes it so good because it's such a great gag. Yeah, I, the just the Robin like he's hearing Tana like kill Robin Hood. It's like I'm Robin yeah. Hood now. <laughs> like it's and Shaq's like, can't we just do that program as it was designed? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I really, man. I really, I Taana is such a scary character if you think about it, because I think she's oh, the only oh, person yeah. in the Starfleet who actively wants to murder people, right? <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's been a few Klingons in there now, so. Well, but like, like she is like she's a doctor who's like who's like I'm gonna go kill yes. the sheriff of Nottingham. And you're like, yes, <laughs> I'm a little concerned about you. Um, the, it happened last season, but one of my favorite uh gags from last season was Shax and Tavana in the uh in the holodeck in the black and white Bonnie and Clyde style yes. program while the lower decks are trying to sneak through and it's just like let's turn the turn the safeties off so it's real bullets because mm-hmm. that's how they get their thrill. It's just so great. I, it's so wild. I I really <laughs> like um I re- I really like that Boimler's plot line is is good, and then even he's in the Jeffrey Stoop. But let's talk about Rutherford real quickly because I think <laughs> Rutherford, I lo- I love the joke of trying to fix something in engineering by like a percentage of a percent, right? Um, and like that's gonna get him a promotion. He's like, oh, I fixed this thing, and like I love that Lower Decks found a way to get the. The, the 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 tubes with the lights flashing back and forth in it which is some it's a pl- prop you've seen in every science fiction show at some point and yeah. you don't need to animate it but they did it and i just yeah. i love it so much and they call it the tucker tubes yeah which is incredible uh and even and the, even phillips was like we don't i don't even know what these do but they're working yeah. better than what they were <laughs> and like the he's like we've added the third tube and we call it the yeah. phillips tube and i'm like this is incredible. I this is, you didn't need to do this, but I love the and, I love it. And the reality of it is that this other uh, engineer is getting a promotion for these minor yeah. like mm-hmm. like Rutherford's plan is correct. Yes, it's right. working. As, like, as like ridiculous as it sounds, it's like nope. That's how you get you know like a promotion in engineering. Yeah. 
I, I but like the the reason why he thinks it was going to be so easy the reveal is that he has turned down a lot of promotions mm-hmm. because again it goes back to like he's been like all of them are afraid that they're going to lose their friendship if they get promoted separately and mm-hmm. so rutherford who probably could have been a lieutenant a full lieutenant at this point uh for everything he's done um is it, just kind of sitting there going like well all my friends got a got a uh i got a promotion now so like it's my turn to get my promotion so i'm just gonna go try and get my promotion um because i've already i've already turned down so many i love that tendy when tendy realizes that and she just goes hey can he get a promotion for the time he took the hull off the ship yeah. oh yeah sure he just throws yeah. it like that's fine but i love um, i love her i love the way she she uh takes charge and is like hey mm-hmm. i'm your superior officer listen to me we're going to be friends from now you know forever no matter what yeah. and that's an order and i was like eh, yeah, that's great i love that there's such a wholesome pair like when they're just like we could yes. go back to complimenting people behind their back yeah yeah <laughs> no they're 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 so wonderful they're so wholesome they're so like fun to watch together yeah um and i love that like not only are we like getting recognition that like all the shit Rutherford's done mm-hmm. counts, mm-hmm. like yeah. it wasn't ignored, like all those amazing things he pulls off. Yeah, um, you know, and and I I mean like we focused a lot in this episode on like Mariner kind of like stepping into that like role that she obviously can handle. Yeah, um, but I mean that is for every character as well. Mm-hmm. Like we're really seeing all of them get into and and grow into like their their positions and show that like they're Mm -hmm. super competent and like good at their jobs and it's like oh most of these characters if not i think all of them have just been getting in their own way yeah Yeah. for real especially it's like you look at mariner and boimler who are for most are are our main characters for all intents and purposes um Mm -hmm. like boimler has chronically bad luck and mariner mm-hmm. is um uh is self-sabotaging and so, but like when you even see this in like the strange new worlds crossover right like when when mm-hmm. boimler when boimler has sc- screwed up that mission he, he's just like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna fix this like i'm i'm done trying to dance around the timeline and whatnot like when mm-hmm. the go when, when it comes time to like be serious and be starfleet they step up um yeah. every single time and 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 finally to have that acknowledged and we're not dealing with the fact that, you know, I made the joke about Harry Kim not getting mm-hmm. promoted in the entire seven seasons of, of Voyager, even though Tom Paris got two promotions. Um, and and so, like, you you see that finally being acknowledged within the show itself of, like, these characters aren't bumbling idiots. They are, for all intents and purposes, the exact same Starfleet officers that you've been following for decades. Um and it's time that we acknowledge that, and it's time we move mm-hmm. that forward. Yeah, no, yeah, it, like I like that they are, like you said, they're being portrayed as competent Star Trek officers, as as you know these Starfleet officers, just like any other Star Trek show. So the absurdity doesn't come from their stupidity, like mm-hmm. like a lot of shows um, yeah. rely on, especially your your more adult oriented animated shows will. Mm-hmm. you know rely on the stupidity of the main characters to make that that's the joke it's like no these characters aren't idiots they they are competent they know what they're doing it's just 
I love it's just pointing out the absurdity of the universe that they're in. And that's yeah. that's what's fun. Yeah. That is what's fun about this show. Yeah, again, it goes back to they're laughing with you, not at you. Yeah. Yes. Which is really like I think the the big encapsulating thing of lower decks and why it's so good, because it does satirize a lot of Star Trek. It does, you know, like poke fun and like you know do all this but like it respects it so much mm-hmm. that like these characters when they need to be starfleet officers are now just starfleet officers yeah and mm-hmm. just, they just do the thing yeah and like you have all these situations that are fun you have boimler not being able to find a room which is hilarious you know you have mariner sure like sabotaging yourself but like coming around and being like, oh, I can just do this. Yeah. You know? All the, the Rutherford hijinks, which is just, like, a loop around to how competent he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rutherford has, has literally performed miracles. Like, he should have gotten yeah. promoted for the mission he went on with Shax when Shax died. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, alone, yeah. that should have given him a promotion. But he yeah. probably turned it down because he Yeah, and he probably turned it down. Thing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like, Rutherford is... Rutherford... I, and like even even get like the when Boimler found like oh I'll room with Brotherford that way we'll get better quarters and like he immediately like regrets it because Brotherford's like oh, I'm gonna stay up all night and do all these projects yeah. and, like, and I really I really appreciate how wholesome a dent in a uh-huh. monk had become yeah. at that point because like he he like he like hits his head on the on the on the on the he- on the on the headboard and he's just like oh you know what this is okay mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, in, the, in, in, in reality, he would have been in a worse room anyway. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been able to turn down the lights. <laughs> right. Um, I, then another thing this episode does that, that I think is really smart is, is there's there's just a, a quick interaction between Tendi and Boimler as they're leaving the bunk. And it, it, it again, re- it reinforces this idea that it's not just, you know, you know, in any friend group, there's like, there's like sections of friends, a friend group that, but you're all friends in the, in the end. So like there's Boimler and Mariner and there's Rutherford attendee and those kind of, but together they're all friends, but there's a small little conversation between Boimler and Tendi that really helps you. That really reminds you like, Oh, right. They're also friends. Like they, like mm-hmm. it, it's not like they're friends by just they're, they're friends just because they're in the bunks together. They are in fact friends. And because there's a the mm-hmm. thing where like, Tendy makes fun of Boimler uh, because of the he keeps hitting hitting his head on the on the headboard and uh, and I just thought that was a sweet little moment. Yeah, yeah, all around um, just really great episodes. Yeah, I really yeah. like the second one. the The second one a lot. I, I I like the first one. I think the first one's really good, but this one like legitimately floored me. Like I was just like, this is just some good Star Trek, man. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's such a strong start to the season. Yeah. Like especially these two episodes back to back because we got the first episode that like establishes the status quo and then the second episode that like really shows us what that's going to mean mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. And it like god it it just like the show has always been good. Yeah. You know, and like it just it just has. And it's becoming really good yeah like the longer it goes the more it's like really growing into like this thing and sure you know like animation can be expensive agreed Mm -hmm. um but you're not worrying about like 
cast you know like commitments because you could still like do and record voices while doing other things mm-hmm. uh you don't have to worry about like you know uh casts aging out or you know all these other kind of things it's just like this show really could just keep going for a, as long as it needs to go yeah mm-hmm. which is not something i'm like expecting of a lot of like new star trek shows I think the you know, goal. I, mean, like, I would imagine the goal is seven seasons. Yeah, I would. I would I, be happy with seven. Se- I would be happy with six seasons in a movie. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where it's like I was happy with a show that was just going to be a fun Star Trek spoof that was going to mm-hmm. be like akin to the Orville. That was going to be kind of just this like fun little thing with maybe a cool, like a few, you know, cool episodes. Um, And that's that. But much like the Orville or Orville, it, it's started to take itself more seriously. It started to really move into stuff. And I think this season is really showing us that like, they have a plan for these characters. Mm-hmm. There, there is a goal that these characters are are working towards and trying to reach, and it's not just this fun cycle thing, which yeah. is so nice to see. Because while I love the episodic nature of Star Trek, I think the best arcs and the best series are the ones where you're like you're working towards a goal. There mm-hmm. is like a thing, a light at the end, whatever that is. Space yeah. Space yeah. Um, and I think I think it's it's a it's a refreshing take on adult oriented animation too, yes. because you don't Definitely. get that in a lot of adult. Um, I, that's why I tend to say the adult animated shows are more immature than some of the ones that are geared more towards kids, because the ones yep. geared towards kids show character growth and character arcs and things like that. Whereas the, you know, the adult shows aren't doing that. And it's like, that's, yeah. that's not maturity. Maturity is growth. And this, this I think is really just refreshing in that way. Yeah. So it's not I, just Rick and Morty in, in Star Trek. It's, it's more, it's more than that. I think yeah. a lot of people look at the animation style and, and make that, make that, frankly false comparison that this is rick and morty yeah. and star trek and like i get it and i know mike mcmahon came from rick and morty but like there's so mm-hmm. much more heart to this show like that yeah it is it is I'm very much forward. it is very much a star trek show it's not trying to be rick and morty it, it it's just it just so happens to be animated by the same people um, so let me ask you this real quick if you were trying to convince someone to watch this show would you would this episode the the second one of the season would this be an episode you would show to someone and be like no this is what lower decks is this is what it's about and then you know have, see if that convinces them to go back and watch from the beginning yeah i would say so i would say i would say like you, you know because i think the first episode would probably reinforce the idea that this is a reference heavy star trek series without any substance mm-hmm. But this one, I think you could really show somebody and it may, they may, may be a little bit lost because at this point we're four seasons in. But I think mm-hmm. you could really like show showcase probably the best of what the show is able to do, because there's references. We do get some references because of the menagerie. There's mm-hmm. an adorable, cute little creature that is just the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we we really you really get a sense that there is something there's something under the hood here. There's something yeah. that people aren't seeing if you're just looking from the outside in. Um, 
And I think you, I think you get that from this episode, and that's why I think this episode is a better, is a stronger episode than at least the first one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that yeah. I agree with. I, I unfortunately disagree. I don't think this is the episode. If you were bringing somebody in, yeah, um, I think it just plays too much with knowing the characters and knowing like all the, you know, what a lot of these things mean. A lot of these gags are played. A lot of these like really deep loving moments are done for characters you've known Mm -hmm. um funnily enough even though we're not going to get into it because it's it's uh for next week i think episode three is a a better tie-in for somebody that wants to kind of see the show i haven't seen episode three yet i'm excited yeah i when you watch it uh come back to me on that let me know because i think episode three does a really good job of doing everything we're talking about right now and really kind of yeah. shooting us into like what the season is. And I think it's a great kind of like, Hey, come in, catch up, mm-hmm. <laughs> see what see what this is about. So we got to start. We do have to start wrapping up. I'm afraid, but I'd want to yeah. ask before we, before we get out of here, uh, we've, we haven't talked about the two. We haven't talked about two scenes specifically in these episodes. Which is the end scene with the with the Klingon bird of prey and the Romulan warbird in the first and the, the mm-hmm. first scene of this episode being obliterated by something. What do we think that something is? I have my theory. Anyone mm, got a theory? I, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear your theory because I'm think, still formulating. <laughs> I think it's Jeffrey Coombs' character from the season. You know, the AI that's locked away in the Daystrom Institute. Yeah, I can. See I that. think it's. Ooh. I think it's him and Peanut Hammer. Uh, that's what I was wondering if it's if it's somehow bringing Peanut Hamper back. Yeah, I think. At, I think at the. I think. It's, I think it's somehow related to them or it will be related to them as the season goes on. You want to know the really funny thing about that? Yeah. I forgot it happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's blinking. You miss it. I mean, we real quickly, I just want to mention it's really nice to see that Warbird concept design finally come to yeah. mm-hmm. come to fruition. That's a really, that's really cool. A cool thing that the show does, but yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it is kind of, they are kind of forgotten scenes a little bit because they are so disconnected from the show at this point. But mm-hmm. you have to imagine that they're going to be become a more, yeah. more prominent. Moment. They're essentially yeah. post credit scenes that you know. Yeah. Um. All right. Shall we call it there? Sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this on this journey. Um, and, and that'll do it for episodes two, episodes one and two. We'll be back for um. We'll probably we'll definitely be back for episode three. I, I'm kind of I don't know if I want to do episode three and four together, or if we just want to do episode three and then episode four. But we'll see. We'll discuss what we do, and we'll and you'll see us then. Uh, so that's that's Star Trek uh, Lower Decks season four, uh, episode one and two. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Um, of course, you can find plenty more fake nerds watches stuff. Uh, it's a Star Trek Strange New Worlds. There's Star Trek Discovery had a season four i think around four um star trek picard season three there's so much if you like star trek there's so much star trek there's a star trek book club series that my friend my friend travis and i uh and and another friend of mine andy palacities are doing um you guys can check out some of that stuff so i'm i'm really trying to get some more star trek stuff going on this channel i hope you guys enjoy it there's other things of course if you want to check out fakenerpodcast.com go to the fakener podcast family go to the fakener family tab and all the shows that have been impacted by the strike 
that have not been impacted by the strike. Uh, links to everything. Uh, it's all there up to date. If you guys want to check out any shows uh, such as Basement Arcade, Com Victor Comic Book, Victor Book Club, Real Score, Animation Station, all of them are there. Where you can link, they're there linked. So that website is linked below. Once again, it's victorpodcast.com. Or you can check out our C Public and our Patreon where you can get this lovely shirt. I'd rather be a Victor than a true fan uh, at our T Public if you are interested. That's linked below as well. You can also find us at Victor Podcast on all the socials. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I am Big Tim McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Travis, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Captain Travis 55 uh, and uh, check out Kaiju Ramen uh, if you're into giant monster uh, media. Uh, Kaiju Ramen uh, media.com is where you can find anything related to that that I am involved in. Okay, cool. Uh, Xander, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Jack in the Box, uh, J A Q U E in the Box. Um, pretty much on my social media um, and specifically uh, streaming on Twitch. All right, guys. Uh, so links, all that, all those links will be down below for you guys to check out. And until next time you see us, guys. Wait, this hand. This live long and prosper.